Welcome back to our study of the book of Philippians. We are looking this week at Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Just a couple of verses. Let me go ahead and read those for us. If you've got a Bible handy, I encourage you to open it and look at it along with me. Philippians 3, 18 and 19 says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So remember that in verse 17 that we covered last time, Paul urged us to follow his example and to keep our eyes on other people around us who are also following Paul's example so that we can imitate them. The way he says it in verse 17 is, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, in other words, imitate Paul and imitate others who are following Paul's example, other Christians, maybe people who are further along in their uh, sanctification than you. They're, they're more mature, more godly, at least in some areas of their life. And you notice that. You want to be like them. You want to grow in the ways that they have grown. And so you watch them. You observe them. You learn from them. You imitate them. And this is not instead of imitating Jesus, but this is one of the ways that we are able to imitate Jesus. Remember, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Christ is the ultimate example. Paul is following Christ, and we get in line behind Paul. And as we follow Paul, we follow Christ. So uh, all through this letter, Paul has been uh, focusing on, especially in chapter 2 and now in chapter 3, Paul has been calling us to be imitators of Christ. He's shown us Christ's humility and obedience to the Father, his self-sacrifice, and so forth. And then he has um, shown us the, uh, his own example, the way he uh, feels and acts toward the Philippian church. He's shown us the example of Timothy, the example of Epaphroditus. Um, all these men um, ha- are followers of Jesus, faithful followers of Jesus, whose lives are worthy of imitation. And so Paul is saying, find those people around you, who um, are following the example of Christ, who are following the example of Paul, and imitate them, right? Follow them, become like them, watch them, observe them. Now, why is it so important that we do that? Well, that's what he brings in in verse 18. For, he says, or because, this is the reason why you need to imitate these people, because many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. In other words, there are many, many people in the world who their lives, whether they realize it or not, are out of sync with and contrary to what uh, Jesus did, who Jesus is, and what Jesus has called his followers to. So they're, they're living their lives completely out of sync with Jesus and with the cross. And the reason Paul tells us to focus on Um, those who are following Christ, like Paul, is so that our lives will be shaped by those who are attempting to faithfully follow Jesus instead of being shaped by the people who have no desire whatsoever to have their lives shaped by the cross and shaped by 
Jesus. So you have all these people who are living out of sync with Christ and with the cross all around you. And it's very easy right, for those people's example to sort of rub off on you and to begin to affect you, affect the way that you think, affect the way that you live, affect the decisions that you make, and so on. And so we have to work and be intentional about, uh, work hard at and be intentional about following um, Jesus ultimately and following the example of other believers around us who are uh, also attempting to follow Christ so that we become more like Christ as we follow them. Now, why does he say here uh, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ? What does he mean exactly by that? I, I came across a really great description of what that means in a commentary by a guy named Matthew Harmon. Uh, this is really helpful. Um, here's what he says. He says, when Paul speaks of the cross of Christ, he is using the term as a synecdoche. Now, you probably never heard that word before. Maybe you have. Um, it's not a word that we come across very often, but he's going to explain it for us. A synecdoche is something in which, this is his words, in which part of something, the cross, is used to refer to the totality of something, the work of Christ. Thus, what these people oppose is not the cross itself, as though they were denying Jesus died on a Roman cross, but everything the cross stands for. And if one opposes everything the cross stands for, then one is in fact opposing Christ himself, for apart from the cross, one cannot know Christ and follow him. So what he's saying is, when Paul says that these people are enemies of the cross of Christ, what he's using the cross to sort of stand for uh, Jesus himself and all that Jesus is and all that Jesus did, right? So Jesus' example that we're supposed to follow, uh, the cross is sort of the, the pinnacle of that. And so when he says they're enemies of the cross of Christ, what he means is their lives are opposed to, hostile to, the way that Jesus lived, his humility, his obedience to the Father, his self-sacrifice, his love even for his enemies. Their lives are totally contrary to that. Now, they may not think of themselves as being hostile toward the cross or being hostile toward Jesus. They may not think about Jesus much at all, but their lives are totally out of sync with who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished. And we need to be careful that our lives are not being shaped by people who are living out of sync with Jesus if we are Christians who are supposed to be following Jesus. So we need to make sure that the people we're following, the people that we are looking up to and imitating and wanting to be like, that they are people who are following Christ and who are not hostile toward Christ and the cross or not walking, at, walking and living at cross purposes with the cross, so to speak. So um, notice though, so that's important, but notice how... Paul talks about these individuals who are enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, um, Many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So 
when Paul calls these people enemies of the cross, that does not mean that they are people that Paul hates or that he wants us to hate. Right? These are not people that Paul is um, you know, lambasting and throwing invectives against and whatnot. These are people who, when Paul thinks about them, he is burdened by the fact that they are enemies of the cross. He is uh, broken and weeping, knowing that there are so many people living contrary to Christ and the cross, living totally out of sync with the gospel, living totally contrary to the example uh, that Jesus has given to us, right? So uh, here in verse 18, Paul is encouraging us to be aware of who we're listening to, right? Who we're watching, who we are following. And we need to ask ourselves questions like, if, if I'm giving a lot of attention to a particular person, uh, I spend a lot of time with them, or I spend a lot of time listening to them, or reading things that they wrote, or whatever. If I spend a lot of time with this person, I need to be asking myself, is this person Christ-like? Is this person following Jesus? Um, do they respond to lost people with compassion and tears like Jesus and Paul did? Do, do they have the same um, brokenness for lost people as Paul shows here, as, as Jesus himself showed? Um, are these people, in other words, that I should want to be like? Because if you spend a lot of time with somebody, you're going to become like them in some ways. Um, their example to us is going to rub off on you, right? If you listen to somebody long enough, if you read somebody long enough, if you spend enough hours in somebody's company, um, th their example is going to influence you. And so you need to be aware of that at the very least and make sure that the people you are um, following and becoming like are people you want to be like and people that you ought to follow. Now, what are these people like? What is it about them um, that sets them apart as enemies of the cross of Christ and that calls forth these tears from Paul? That's what we see in verse 19. He says, uh, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So the first thing he says about them is that their end is destruction. In other words, <clears throat> where their life is headed is not for blessing, not toward eternal life and joy in the presence of God. They are headed for destruction. They are headed for condemnation. They are headed for death. And you need to be aware of that because if you follow them, right, then you're going to end up the same place they're going to end up. That's not where you want to end up. So you don't want to be following those kind of people, imitating those kind of people. Uh, they may seem now to have glory, power, fame, riches, success, uh, all the things that uh, this world tells us we ought to desire, that we ought to crave, that we ought to spend our lives chasing, uh, but the end result is going to be destruction. However good they may seem to have it now, it's going to be bad for them in the end. And so you need to know that 
uh, and be aware of that so that you won't follow their example. And, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Paul is so burdened for them and why he speaks about them with tears. He doesn't rejoice in what they're doing or where they're headed. He wants them to repent. He wants them to believe. He wants them to be saved. They are headed for destruction, he says, and their God is their belly. Now, what does that mean? Their God is their belly. Well, um, their belly there probably is not, it's not talking about food. Um, it's not talking about their stomach per se, although that could be a part of it, but it probably means more broadly, um, their own appetites, their desires, what they long for, what they crave. That's what he means by their belly. And he says that is their God. The thing that they worship, the thing that their whole life revolves around and is oriented toward is uh, satisfying their cravings, satisfying their desires, satisfying those um, lusts and longings that they have for things that they're not supposed to have, right? That is what drives them. That is what um, is their first priority in their life. Their God is their belly. And then he says, they glory in their shame. They boast in, they rejoice in, they are proud of things that they ought to be ashamed of, things, things that they ought to be embarrassed by, things that they ought to reject. Um, they're not ashamed of those things at all. They glory in them. They rejoice in them. And then he says, um, their minds are set on earthly things, right? And this is in contrast with uh, verse 20, uh, which we're not going to get to this time, but where he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. So their mind is set on earthly things, but uh, our citizenship is in heaven, uh, where we're waiting for Jesus to come. So what does it mean that they have their minds set on earthly things? Well, it means that their minds are devoted to the things of this world and not to God, his kingdom, and his will, right? They are, they're focused on their will, their desires, the things of this world. We learn from the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We're taught in that prayer that the things we ought to desire most are the things of God, for God to be glorified. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be honored. Your kingdom come. We ought to pray for God's saving reign to come upon the earth and set all things right. We ought to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that people on earth would do what God wants us to do, because that's always what's best for everybody. And then we're told to pray for our uh, physical needs, right? Pray for uh, daily bread. So it's not that we are unconcerned with um, earthly things, right? But that our primary concern is with God and his kingdom and his will. Right, so um, the people who are enemies of the cross of Christ, they are focused only on the things of the world. And those things don't have to be bad things, right? They, uh, those could be things like the need for bread, Right? The need for physical sustenance and nourishment. They, they could be desires for good things. The problem is, that's what their mind is set on. Their mind is set on earthly things, and they, have, they give no thought to spiritual things. Their focus is on 
um, you know, their physical desires and cravings. Their God is their belly. And they're not concerned about God and His kingdom and His will at all. Now, when we read this verse, <clears throat> verse 19, it sounds very, very contemporary. Right? You can read this verse and say, you know, I, I know the kind of people that Paul is talking about. We still, um, there are still many people today who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. There are many today in our own culture, all around us, people whose God is their belly. Right? There are people all around us who glory in their shame, whose minds are set on earthly things. And so, how do we respond to that, right? Well, one thing that we should take away from this is to be encouraged. Now, that may not be the first thing you would think reading a verse like this, but here's the thing. We often tend to panic when we see uh, how many people around us um, are glorying in their shame. We tend to panic when we uh, see how many people their God is their belly. But if Paul was talking about this being the case of many, uh, in many people's lives 2,000 years ago, and we're seeing that it's still the case in many people's lives today, that means this is nothing new. Right? That doesn't mean it's not important, but it does mean we don't need to panic. Right? Um, the things that we are facing in our culture are not fundamentally different than what the first Christians faced. Right? That doesn't mean that they're not bad. They may, in some cases, even be more extreme. But at the root, they are the same. People still today, as they did in Paul's day, reject God's word, God's will, God's design, God's ways. They rebel against Him. And that's manifested in lots and lots and lots of ways. Um, everything from... Um, sexual immorality to pride is a rejection of God's way. One of the chief things that Paul has encouraged us to do in Philippians is to follow Jesus' example of humility. People who are proud and arrogant are not following that example. Right? Um, he also showed us that Jesus was obedient to the Father's will to the Father's plan. We are called to obey God's word. That means rejecting idolatry and sexual immorality. Right? Those things are contrary to the will of God. So there are all kinds of ways that people are living out of sync with God's word and God's way, and none of them are new. Right? So um, we need to keep that in mind so that we don't panic. The second thing we need to take away from this is we need to remember how Paul responded to this. Paul did not um, get mad, right? Paul did not wage a war against the people who were living as enemies of the cross of Christ. He wept for them. He spoke about them with tears. Um, and we can see from what he's doing, even in, while he's in prison, what is he doing? He's sharing the gospel. Because it's only as people hear the gospel and God opens their eyes and grants them repentance and faith that they are able to turn away from that life of living as enemies of the cross and now become followers of Jesus. So we should respond 
the way that Paul responded. Remember, we're supposed to be imitating Christ. Okay, I mean, imitating Paul as he imitates Christ. So what did Paul do when he saw people all around him who were living as enemies of the cross of Christ? What did he do? He warned other Christians not to follow their example, but to follow the example of the godly people around them. He spoke about them with tears because he was broken over um, their life and their fate. If they didn't, if they don't repent, they're going to experience destruction. Uh, and he continued to share the gospel. He continued to tell lost people about Jesus. So let's um, respond to the the lostness, the the sinfulness, the rebellion. Um, that we increasingly see around us the same way that Paul did. Um, may God make us brokenhearted and fill us with humility and love and boldness to share the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. Amen.